0: Yo, this is Sherman Payne. Uh, If you're hearing my voice, it's because you've clicked on a bonus episode. What's in this bonus episode, you ask? What's in this bonus episode, Sherman? Well, let me tell you. We talked to our boy, Zaheer McGee. We started hot right off the bat, talking about things that had nothing to do with screenwriting. We were talking about Philadelphia sports. We were talking about Allen Iverson's influence on the culture. And then later we found our way into talking about the MTV show The Real World and all of the classic iconic black characters that existed on that show and how it affected us. So, we thought these conversations, while having really nothing to do with screenwriting at all, <laughs> were so dope that we should just package them together in a bonus episode and give it to you guys to listen to uh when you want when you just want to hear us uh shoot the shit about something other than the screenwriting it's like a beach read, you know. Everybody needs
1: like a little a beach read, a weekend read. It's like that. Exactly. Except for
0: podcast 100%. So here comes a bonus episode featuring uh the Diversity Hires and your boy Zahir McGee.
2: Hello listeners. This is AKB, the Diversity Hires producer. I'll be your guide through this bonus episode, giving context to the clips before you hear them. What we have coming up is the talk before the interview, the beginning banter between Zahir Sherman Shoe. This is unedited, unaltered, and straight to you. I hope you enjoy.
0: And though, And though I have none of his singing ability, I did inherit the resonance of his speaking voice. You guys are very calm. You guys are, if we
3: showed up in the room with either one of you guys, I would be like, I don't like them because I'm the opposite. And they're, they're like, this one's going to choke us. Sherm is going to sing us a sweet song. And she seems like he's on some Buddha shit. So we get rid of this other guy.
0: Doesn't True seem so calm? How does True remain so unflappable?
3: I don't, I don't get it i mean i don't i mean i i mean he has probably told you very little about me but i am the absolute opposite i go from zero to 100 uh pretty uh <laughs> quickly in everything yeah. i do whether it's analysis of the sixers or well, are getting, you both
1: are you both philly fans yes he's yeah. a more passionate fan than i am is a more passionate fan but we're both sixers fans we're we're um i am i live and breathe
3: uh but I don't know why. Not breathe. I guess I don't breathe oxygen over the Sixers. <laughs> but but uh, a lot of my life is you know my dad is is was a huge Sixers fan and you know there was a during the Iverson era. I mean I was watching 80, 82 games a year. Like I just didn't. That's what I did. Like I didn't go to my totally. junior prom, sophomore prom, because it was Iverson versus Ray Allen in the Big East tournament. Like, wow. Well, wait. Let me yo, wait. 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 Also, wait, like. On. The, no one was really checking for me anyway, so.
0: You know what's yeah, really. Yeah, but now, but now, now
1: for real, for real, yeah. You you know what's really interesting about that. I mean, this is totally off topic, but for the hell of just recording or whatever. And we we started recording, but we, we probably won't use this shit. But, um, that era, that Iverson era, I don't know if that coincided with Comcast SportsNet coming out. I think it might have. Because that was the era that I started watching it, same, 82 yeah. fucking games. Yeah. And I think it was because it was just available. I, I feel like it was just like, there was, a, there was like Allen Iverson, people that didn't grow up in that, either in that era or in that physical regional area, South Jersey, Delaware, Philadelphia, don't understand how much appointment viewing watching Allen Iverson was. It was fucking appointment viewing. It was
3: awesome. Well, that's what I I always say. Like, you know, I, I think his historical context in basketball is coming a little bit clearer now, particularly because Kobe passed um, and we're past the Jordan era and LeBron is his own sort of special uh, beast, but the cultural, you just don't talk to guys like whether it's arenas or Curry or Chris Paul, they all say one guy when they're like, this is the guy who influenced me. And it was completely different and it changed the game and it wasn't Jordan level and he didn't win, um, at all. But in terms of cultural impact, it's sort of that thing, you know, when the Duke players in the fab five documentary, they're always like, why are we always talking about the fab five? They didn't win. We did. And Jalen Rose is like, who won the national championship in 2007, who won the national championship in 2012, but no one's ever going to forget the fab five Iverson was like that. There's never been another athlete where that made me stood up, stand up and say, Oh shit yeah or in my life than alan iverson it's like that you know like i think about this with tv like the kind of tv i want to create or what people want to do and i know you know there's some disparity some people are like i want to be an artist and i want to do cable stuff and whatever and it's just that balance of like like iverson was a rocket ship like there's nothing like it and it didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. lead itself to championships but like in terms of the zeitgeist and
0: influence um it's crazy it's just crazy uh, I totally agree with that. I think you know stars in the NBA today. I watch a lot of NBA. Uh, when when you get to a star level, the idea is to be sort of like as marketable and bland as possible. You know, sure. I don't. I like LeBron. I like you know. I think um, Zion Williamson is going to be a huge star, but they sort of have the same vibe to them, and they have the playbook and. Yeah. Um, And,
3: you know, guys like Iverson, like, you were going to get, he was going to tell you the truth. Like, there is no reason for him, for that practice rant to exist. (laughs) Right. Like, it's just, there's just no reason. But, but he had this humanity to him and this frailty. And if you read the book um, by the Philadelphia Inquirer writer, Not a Game, which is the most, like, you know, I think robust portrayal of his life, which shows not just the heroic moments, but the sad ones too. And Steve James did a documentary about, Um, his time in Virginia as well Mm -hmm. you were going to get the truth from him and you don't get that from from a lot of athletes Philadelphia's had a lot of them Barkley if you put a mic in his face he was going to tell you what was up you know and um the things I think about Ron Artest too like you know he was a troubled dude but when you went to Ron Artest he told you the truth yeah you know and um you take the good and the bad with that so you saw the ugly parts of them um so there was nothing Iverson could do where you were like well that's against character like right. he showed you who he was. He told you who he was. And and I, just to talk about the Iverson rant for a second, there's the whole larger context. I mean, that goes on for like 30 minutes. And what he's really saying is his friend had just died. He was drunk also, you yes. know? Yes. Right. <laughs> he had hit up his uh, favorite spot, which was Fridays. Um, <laughs> Got a bucket of Corona's. And that's also why he's loved in Philadelphia too, because he was accessible, right? He wasn't going to Morton's in the Palm and all that shit. Right? Like, you could go hang out with him at fridays uh, there's a really funny story um and then i'm sure we got to talk about something on alan iverson but i will say it's the only people say like what's the one thing you want to write when they make the movie of alan iverson and i'm not involved that will be the moment where i'll be very depressed but he there's a great story with him and um david falk a famous agent is jordan's agent as well at the time iverson's a rookie falk is like yo I, uh, Jordan's coming to town. You guys are going to go to dinner one night, his choice. Then we're, you're going to take him to dinner the next night, right? So the first night, it's Falk, Jordan, and Iverson. They go to like Morton's or the Palm. They eat like crazy, drink like crazy. Bills like four Gs. Jordan's like, I got this, obviously, no problem, right? Next night, Iverson's choice. He brings twenty six friends and family, and they go to they go to Fridays, and the <laughs> bills like eight hundred bucks,
1: <laughs> and I don't think he pays. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I didn't know that. Though. That's great. Well,
0: the last thing I'll say about Iverson uh is because I, you know, I was in Ohio at the time. Yeah. And but he was a, you know, of course, he was so important. And I think one of the reasons why he was so important is his aesthetic. You know, yes. he I can yeah. you think of a player that more represents their era by just the way that they handled themselves, the way that they spoke, and the way that they looked. When I when you talk about the the ban of players wearing street clothes on the bench right your mind immediately goes to Iverson in a size 5xl t-shirt <laughs> yeah. a chain a chain down to his dick and fucking si- touching the top of his socks <laughs> absolutely and you just think and you think about those braids going straight back and it's just like he represented that early 2000s era the swag that existed with young black men with hip hop with everything and I, you guys, your last
3: podcast, you talked you were talking about, you know, switching genres, um, and you know, you know, the entertainers that you know enter our space and whatever. He also ushered in like you had to have a rap album too, right? Like Kobe's out here rapping, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, he must look at. There's two things that I think about with Allen Iverson. Like obviously, starting put in the band as you mentioned, but like he must look at Russell Westbrook walking into the game, like. Yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. this is crazy. And also, we go nuts about that practice rant. Guess what? Now people don't play in the games. Yeah, they Like rest. Kawhi Leonard plays oh, one, biggest, one third of the games, like, by schedule. Like, that's determined before the season that he's only going to play in 65 games. Like, and we clowned Iverson because he's like, yo, what are we talking about? And what he was really saying is, I just gave it my all in game five of the playoffs and we lost. And you want to talk about that
1: I mispracticed the right. other day? Come on, these right. guys don't practice or play anymore. By the way, this is exactly what I say to executives when they you know harp on stuff, uh, notes on an outline. Oh, you, you know, pr- this is basically you talking about practice, not the script, not the script. 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 <laughs> Pract- well, you talking about an outline, not the script? An outline. <laughs> well, it's also like it's like you guys hired me
3: for a reason, right? Like if the outline is perfect right then you guys can hire chimpanzees to write it (laughs) like there has to i have to do something right like like it it doesn't it can't all be here right and also like there's just a level of discovery like there's stuff i I always say every step of the process and i know you guys have covered pitching like from the log line to the pitch to the story arena to the outline to the script until you shoot they are all lies and i'm just trying to advance to the next stage right 100 heavy and, cold time he, and everything you do leading up to that is like a little bit of ingenuity and more time that you get that you can make it better and we can always make it better over time but the idea of first of all there's no per, there's no perfect script right so right. i hear this stuff all the time like you probably hear lines like this from execs sometimes it's like you know this is an a we just want to get it to an a plus and it's like well this isn't like school like <laughs> what I there's no universal a plus right like, and what I change and if we, if we have an a also, every time you ask me to change something, we are risking losing the a, yeah,
0: yeah. we
1: might get a we might go down to a b right?
0: Right. So, so, change listen listen i I always tell i I love the great analogy, but I always tell them it's a jigsaw puzzle yes. you're now asking me to take out four pieces and reshape them. And then wondering why the jigsaw puzzle is not going to work. Those pieces might not be perfect, but right now they fit and they're, they're contributing to the whole, don't fuck up the puzzle for the sake of these three pieces, bro. Yeah,
3: Or like the, it's the little things. And look, we've, we've, um, sure. You do features. You worked in TV too.
0: Yeah. I do features on TV. Yep.
3: Okay. So this happens in the room too, you know, with showrunners, like, it, like. I forget, I mean, it's so hard to talk about specific stuff because it's like, you haven't done, like I've worked in like one place for so long. It's like so easy to figure out what I'm talking about. You gotta be obtuse. You gotta, you gotta be up. as obtuse as possible. But something you might hear in the recent development process is something like, we're just looking for one more big moment, right? And that sounds easy enough for someone to say to you, right? But just like you said, Sherm, like it's a jigsaw puzzle. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yo, that means bring in a board, right? <laughs> right. Like, Like, because that's like, I I can't just fit in like, oh, homie gets shot or like (laughs) slap someone in the face. Like all this is built. And, and if you're working with good people, they've thought about it in a way. And, and I, you know, um, I know Shukri is like this, like very thoughtful about everything. So it's like, you're hearing all the changes you might have to make and, and I do think that sometimes, look, I'm not saying anything new. It's not like writers have been like the most respected part of the Hollywood machine over the course of, you know, the last <laughs> 80 years. Um, but the amount of work and time people put in for things to be said back to them that are so flippant, that might not be wrong, but don't take into account um, how hard it is to do. Um, and also, is that what you want to do? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what you want and what I want to do um, there has to be some balance between what the buyer wants and what it
0: is you're trying to execute. But Absolutely I totally agree. Well, look, let's. We could, should do the real we, show. Yeah, let's do. Look, this I is mean, gonna this is gonna be a fire. This is gonna be a fire. Twelve bro, minute bonus episode,
1: bro. You're, first of all, we might use some of that. We might use all of it. Who knows? Uh, it, it. But listen, let's just jump into the intro because you're okay. already. As I expected, already uh fantastic. He's
0: already coming and killing it. I need um I need exactly forty-two seconds to get a new glass of water and then I'll be ready to start.
3: Love Okay, Okay, give me two seconds. Jackie Robinson on the second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It's subconscious. Black shit is always running subconscious through Sherman's brain. <laughs> um,
3: I am so happy to be on with the 989th best player, best high school player from Delaware in the in the ninety in the nineties.
1: <laughs> I don't know. There, were, there probably weren't a thousand players. I would probably put me. i probably put me in the. I think I was top one hundred fifty. I think. Top I think.
3: That was my only, my only pre-prepared line, and I botched it. I couldn't even get
1: it out right. You, did, you didn't do it. You, you're supposed to do it. You, could, you can run it back. You can do it after we give you an official intro. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the
3: Delaware ba- – I mean, Delaware's on fire right now. Joe is all over Delaware announcing shit. No, you know what I mean, I know.
1: it's the only time in my life where I've actually been like, wow, should I move back? In Delaware? See, I know, I know. But it's the only time where I've looked around I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, I know that place. I mean, oh, really- everybody seems to be in Delaware. Should I move there? You know how much a house is there? Not much. Well, that is the real
3: vibe where you're like, I'm back. Yeah, where could I live? I could live any almost anywhere but here. And like, I'm looking at houses like, you. Not, not, I'm not, I'm looking, but you see houses and you're like, oh, that is a fucking mansion. Yeah. And it, like a real
1: mansion. A
3: real mansion. Or, like in the entrepreneur video and that guy, the Broadway dude, it's like, this full bought a plantation for like 400 Gs. <laughs> yes.
1: You
3: know what I mean? I'm in like
1: 1,600 square feet and it's like, it's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. All right, you ready, sir?
0: Yeah, I'm here. Let's do it.
1: All right, August, uh, for note for our producer, August, this is going to be, uh, we're starting at 1435. This is our intro, but we, if you find a way to use the stuff in the beginning, um, I'll sort of intro it so it can, it could be used anyway. All right. Uh, <clears throat> five, four, three, two. Sorry, Shu.
2: I didn't find a way to use that clip, but fortunately that clip found its way into this bonus episode. It's a real catharsis in finding something or being found. In this next clip, you will hear a found connection unfold between two screenwriters who share one guilty pleasure. Let's get into it.
3: And it was about like a reunion of a high school reunion in the 90s that was a documentary and I was in the real world and shit and I was like, this is the perfect show for me. And it was the hot ABC show that year. And it was three episodes. I would have a completely
0: different career. Right.
1: Let's, let's stop, skip forward a little stop, bit. Stop here. the
0: interview real quick. Real quick, stop the interview. How into yeah. the real world are yeah. you?
3: Dude. Don't I? I could. I, I want to teach a class on this shit.
0: Okay, like, let's let's real quick go over some of our favorite black real world cast members. Real quick, we'll get back well, to the screenwriters. The side
3: thing, they're it. they're all our favorites, right? Like that's the experience of being black.
0: One hundred percent. You pick the one black matter. person, and, and you're rooting for them.
3: Yeah, I don't care if it's like in the, in the in the Olympics. I'm constantly about like, do I want the white American, you know, sprinter <laughs> to win or like whatever event you're like, or am I rooting for Senegal? Or you're okay. watching, the and you're like, mm, I'm kind of just rooting for these dudes with these amazing haircuts.
0: So then it, you must have felt yeah. as conflicted as I did with Steven and Irene in Seattle. So,
3: f- I mean, for sure, because you just feel bad. And you knew there was something, w- it, we were in a different time for that one, right? Like, yeah. there was something else going on with Steven.
0: Yeah. You know, Wish that we, we know that. now yeah.
3: uh, that was causing him to be who he, who he was. Like, And that was really painful to watch. That said, you have pinpointed. I think Seattle's arguably the best season uh, ever of the show uh, for sure. I mean, even the, I mean, David and Kira, it was the first time that you had cross blurring of the lines where it actually wasn't because Becky was fucking one of the producers in New York as well in the first season. But when you saw it, when David like left and was screaming in the car with that woman and she was a producer from the show, it was just awesome. Um, Uh, I just, I love that season. Black characters, I mean, the David situation was also sad, right? Yes, you're talking about in L.A. Yeah, it did not happen. It yeah, wasn't. No, it, it wasn't not funny. It wasn't not funny. Yeah. Um, and I, when I talk about my love for reality TV, just to tie it back to what we're talking about now, like people yeah. always say, like, I watch it all. I watch a lot of crappy stuff now. Um, I love Survivor. I've seen every season of Survivor. I love The Real World. I've seen every episode of The Real World probably ten times. Mm. And people always say, like, but you write you know you're a scripted tv writer doesn't that take jobs away i'm like if you're black like the first time i saw people arguing and talking about race in the ways i had to in the schools that i went to was when date was when um kevin uh, Kevin and and um, julie were arguing on the street and she was this white girl from alabama and she was talking about the chip on his shoulder whatever and his arrogance Mm. and i'm like damn this is i've had this conversation before i had never seen that on tv before I had never heard about abortion before until Tammy got an abortion on the fucking television show.
0: Yes. Right? But, um dude, you're 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 talking my language because when Kevin said to Julie that black people can't be racist, that yes. was like a pivotal a pivotal moment for me in television. I and I also understood something about race relations in America at that exact moment. Yes. It's
3: like I'm sure like Lena Dunham says some stuff and girls from Williamsburg are like she's in my head that was like <laughs> one of those moments for me right like i'm like bam and then i had never seen two men in love until yeah. i saw pedro um and i'm forgetting his uh sean yeah you know and i didn't know anything about hiv you know yeah. and puck was the first person who i think entered reality tv knowing
0: what it could do for him he he and- definitely understood the game uh, i don't want to derail us too much uh, Plus, shop, Hawaii, shop.
3: the far side shows up in the Hawaii season. Like, there's all kinds of great tech. Tech, uh, tech, tech, is, tech is like still the coolest uh, person who ever lived to me. He, uh, Tech is one of my favorites. A Jacquees from San Diego is an underrated black guy. Um, and that is also the end of what I consider the golden era of the real world. 13 uh-huh. seasons are the golden era, and then we got into some weird shit, but I still watch.
1: Yeah. But I, 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 I should, go ahead. I, I'm just staying silent because. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. My my um, real world knowledge begins and ends with Heather B and all glocks down. That's oh, it. That's yeah. Good. I mean, that,
3: I they were real people
1: on that show. They were Ooh, like Larry Johnson.
0: Oh, Larry Johnson.
3: Larry Johnson. He's so fine. <laughs> he's so fine. They went, she was literally screaming. He, he came over and gave her a hug.
0: Yep. That's I remember the, the, the doorbell rang. And it was like food delivery. She's like, "Oh, that's probably Larry Johnson."
3: (laughs) I mean, it was was a really awesome show and a really great experiment in the beginning. Like, they had real jobs and things. Like, it morphed into something completely different. But you know, I have so much love in my heart for that show. Me too. I could
0: go on and on about Real World. We got to. This is this is the pilot. This is the backdoor pilot to me and Zahira's podcast about (laughs) Real World that we're gonna do i love Uh, it i
3: love uh, it i'm happy to get it i would love it i would love it (laughs) love it love it love it
0: okay sorry shakri you were gonna ask a question about 10 minutes ago
2: (laughs) it's quite all right to those of you who made it this far into the episode i want you to take Shu's words to heart whenever you need them it is Last segment of our bonus episode now, and we start off with some poignant words from Sahir as he wraps up his discussion on his newest creation, Harlem's Kitchen. Let's get into it.
3: And also, taking the idea of women in hip hop was very interesting to me because um, it's like a notoriously, you know, misogynistic and homophobic world, and the perspective that we have later in life, you know, like these are these are moms now, right? Like in the pitch, I said, um, I quoted the little Kim, a crazy little Kim lyric. Like I used to throw, I used to, uh, I used to be scared of the dick. Now I throw lips to the shit, handle it like a real bitch. Like, how do you, how does she, how do you explain that to your kid when they're like, when they hear the song? And I was just obsessed with that idea. So, um, that's it. That's the idea. And and hopefully, you know, we can, Keep executing the script in a way that keeps abc excited and deliver a show that i think would be really special for them
0: that's amazing are they going to be able to put the title nasty Bitches" on the air
3: sure i'm i'm taking your netflix out on this okay talk about it
0: that's that's totally fair
3: <laughs> i hope so because to me it's it's not it, it's not a it's not salacious for the sake of being salacious what all these women need is to in their personal lives now as they've grown they need to get back the swagger that they had then, and I think given where we are in the world in terms of you know whatever that clown said to AOC and you know DJT mm-hmm. with uh, Hillary and you know calling all these women nasty women, um, it's about ownership of that, um, and gotcha. um, and so I think it's really it's not meant to just pop you. It's it's meant to be thematically resonant resonant uh, because because uh, they need to they need a little nasty bitch. That's great, man. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I hope so. What do you, what's going on with you guys? I guess warm shows right now.
0: Uh, I just am wrapping up shameless. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm wrapping up shameless. So we're in production right now. It's sort of weird because we finished writing all the scripts before we got, uh, you know, um, the okay from Warner brothers to start shooting again. So we're sort of in this nebulous area where we're like prepping our episodes, but we're not really in the room. Sort of kind of doing it here and there over Zoom. Right. Yep. Got a movie coming out next week. Wait, what? Yeah. See,
3: what do you mean? I'm, the, I'm the third class citizen on this. No,
0: no, 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 man. We're you trying to get like you. Now? Let me hear it. What'd you say? Shoot. You want to pump it now? Nah, nah, no, no, man. We probably cu- uh, we should cut all this out. We should end with Zaheer. We should end with Zaheer. I'm just, I'm just talking shit. So, Zaheer, thank
1: you, man, for being a part of this. We really appreciate it. So you dropped super super dope gems. Knowledge. Really- knowledge yeah. front to back. Like, um, you, you should call yourself like no, never mind. Call myself- <laughs> I was gonna try to give you a rap name that started with KRS.
3: Oh. Now oh. <laughs> <been complete. laughs> we we've had this conversation, shoot. One last thing I want to ask is like <laughs> if you were T V if you were if you could compare yourself in the room to an NBA player, who would it be?
1: Oh, this is a great question wow this is a fantastic question hold on hold on hold on i'm trying to ah uh, okay oh god all right uh i'm gonna give you rondo Ooh.
3: i knew he was gonna say that what? no you didn't i no. was trying to think of i knew he would, i knew it
1: was gonna be a facilitator it's a facilitator boom i did it any best point guard but probably rondo because rondo is a facilitator makes everybody else better but he's also fucking he is crunch time big time when it comes down to it when the pressure is on <laughs> when the when the people get scared and start like shaking and leaving and leaving their characteristics on the floor and all that he's the person that shows up with a grimace and a scowl and gets I, the job done. I like it. Oh wait, so here, who about? What about you? What NBA player? Uh,
3: she, she knows this. Um, uh, this is gonna sound terrible. This is the thing that's that I'll never work again after I say this on someone else's show. Like on if I'm if it's not my shit anymore, I'm um, I'm Lou Williams. Okay, <laughs> I like you, that. Lou Williams, a scorer. You, you think he's asleep? You're like, <laughs> what's going on, right? And then fourth quarter rolls around, he's got twenty six. You're like, where did that come from? And then the next day, he might end up at Magic City, and <laughs> <laughs> but that might get you 30 the next night, right? Where you're like, like if aliens came down from Earth and watched like Lou Williams in the fourth quarter, they're 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 likely to go, this is the best player in the history of the world, <laughs> right? It's Michael Jordan, that's great. But if you're watching '82, you're like, oh, he's kind of in and out. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious, man. I love that. I love that. Sherman, you you have to end it now. Oh, I'm Kobe. Whoa! Whoa! Wow! That's
0: it. 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 Don't you... No, there's nothing more to say. Yeah, that's it. I've said I'm Kobe. I actually have said that on this podcast before, but I will reiterate to anybody listening, to any executives, to any showrunners, to any writers out there who want to step to the kid, I love Mamba mentality.
3: See see I'm try I was trying to be
0: sneaky with Louis,
3: with Lou Williams but now you said Kobe I'm like okay
0: <laughs> Now we're all trying to wa- I'm, <laughs> <Chuderman>. <laughs> this I'm Will
3: Titterton You said Rondo Shukri made himself sound like a not only is he crunch time but he's just helping people out You <laughs> said you're Kobe which is like who doesn't want Kobe and I'm over here the dickbag who got busted in Magic City I'm
0: really <laughs> probably I'm really probably Cedric Sabalas. Which is like you right. won't remember much about me, but I might have dropped multiple fifty-point games.
3: Said he was sneaky, you know, yeah, Doc Wees from the real world,
0: San Diego. <laughs> you remember the highlights. You remember yeah.
3: the highlights. Yeah.
0: We have so much. We have to do a bonus episode. Should we have to cut together these <laughs> yeah, all these off-topic gonna... combos and just yes. do and do. We have to release them at the same time. Yes. This has been the inaugural
2: bonus episode of. Diversity Hires. This podcast is hosted by Sherman Payne and Shakri Hassan Tillman and produced by me, AKB. You can find us across all social media at Diversity Hires Pod. Our website is www.divhirespod.com. Feel free to post a comment or ask us a question. Please subscribe to our podcast and if you can leave us a positive review don't forget none of this is possible without you thank you and i hope you've enjoyed this episode this is akb and i